show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. This is the forecast for April 7 to April 13th, and it has Aries written all over it. There's planets and Aries. There's like a whole stellium. And what's really goofy, to be honest, is that I wrote this whole forecast and I recorded the video, which is the audio that you'll be listening to, failing to notice that there was a new moon in Aries this week. So I had written about the astrology and was like thinking about Aries and it was all about Aries So I basically wrote about all the transits surrounding the new moon, but not the new moon. So I went back and wrote something for the new moon specifically in addition to what you'll hear. So I'll just read that um, here before we get started. And I'm just going to shamelessly plug right now that today is my birthday. It's my solar return. And yesterday was Magic of the Spheres second birthday. And if you want to celebrate either of these solar returns with me, I would love it if you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes for this podcast. If you enjoy this show, if it has positively impacted you in your life, please write a reflection on what the show means to you and share it to Apple. And if you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email it to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I'll send you a resource library about creating and elevating your reality. It's several hours of video lecture content about the intersection of vibrational magic and manifestation with astrology. So before we get into the forecast, as it was shared to YouTube, here's the extra bit about the new moon in Aries. That's happening April 11th at 7.31 p.m. Pacific. This new moon squares Pluto and Capricorn. The new moon sits at the midpoint as well of a Jupiter-Mars trine, sextiling both Jupiter in Aquarius and Mars in Gemini. The Mars-Jupiter contact and Mars already being the dispositor of the sun and moon here in Aries may relate to a boost in feeling conceptually game to take on new goals or endeavors. So in your head, in your mind, you're like, hell yes. The square to Pluto and Capricorn, however, invites a deeper embodied inquiry as to the nature of our true limitations, whether we are taking on more than we can handle or we are not fully activating our capacities and keeping our potentials latent. This may be something to assess or be aware of. It's worth noting that general advice given to everyone about whether to pump up the fire and get all amped and accomplished and, you know, do the thing all the time, like be a warrior, be a accomplished athletic kind of person versus resting and napping and opting out of capitalism and finding your self-worth through production, you know, very opposite camps here. They're not universally true for everyone. It's like different constitutions, different things that you may be developing. And even um, if you're someone who's really driven and wants to accomplish a lot of things and you want to be creatively productive, there's a way that you can do that in a way that's restful and embodied and not extractive or, you know, pulling too much from yourself and your life force. 
So I find that a lot of these, you know, you can go find an account on Instagram that's full of memes about lifestyle, like do it or rest, nap. And it's like, just remembering that these are not universal pieces of advice. Like we're going to be at different phases. So we're really looking at the wisdom of our own constitutions and the cycle and phase of life that we're at in any given moment. Um, I really, you know, appreciate Sahara Rose's thinking on this, you know, who talks a lot about Ayurveda and the different kind of, are you in a pitta mode? Are you in vata mode? Or are you in kapha mode? And cycling between them so that you have designated time for rest, designated time to like amp up your your energy and your fire and make things happen. And also times to reflect and daydream and brainstorm. And from what I can intuit about this new moon, it seems like it could activate a deeper awareness of how much energy we have and how we might allocate it. But the answer to these questions is deeply personal, not universal. So having to really tune in with like our bodies and our, our unique constitution. Now, the Sun-Pluto contact relates to primordial creativity, this burst of creative eros that wants to come through us. Facing this creative power invites us to consider our limitations of who we are and who we are not. There is a difference between cultivating an inherent talent or truth inside of us versus feeling a fantasy to be someone that we aren't and trying really hard to put ourselves in that box. The first one, you know, being who we are, requires a surrender to actually being ourselves and facing, you know, what it entails to actually claim ownership of our inherent gifts and take responsibility for them. The second, so knowing what we're not, requires that we recognize what's not for us. This is an immense gray area. Many talented artists have received feedback from their environment that they were not going to succeed, but they listened to that voice inside of them and creatively persisted. Or, you know, you may have had something that you've, that's been true to your, you your whole life, but your family was really discouraging of it. And maybe you know, you fold into that discouragement and you try to please your family and stay in this box. Maybe you break out of that and your family comes around and sees you in your light, you know, but just knowing that what's that, the voices that are telling you who you are, who you're not, these are not always immediately true reflections. Sometimes there's something deeper happening. So another example, sometimes we have a voice inside of us that tries to quell our own creative spirit by telling us it's not possible or that we're not meant for it. We have to discern what our creative limitations really are. If we can cultivate the truth inside of us, it tends to be an immensely bright light. Why? Because we're taking full responsibility for our inherent gifts you know, finding them in the deepest part of ourselves and letting it shine outwardly. These things are already here. We just have to say yes to them and cultivate them. So even, you know, someone who is just immensely shining in their creative power, like this person is a force in this reality. That person has contemplated their limitations, I'm sure. Because part of that kind of creative potency is someone being exactly who they are, which is also a knowledge of what they are not.
So I think that's something interesting to think about, you know, reflect on it. It's a little bit open-ended here, but that kind of, what are the true limitations? What are the limitations you believe, but aren't true? And then what are the limitations that are so true that they're actually the perfect container for you to rise to the occasion of being exactly who you are? Okay. And with this, I'll get into the rest of the forecast about all the other transits surrounding the new moon in Aries. And I hope that you enjoy. And again, if you are an enjoyer of this podcast, help me celebrate my birthday and the podcast birthday um, by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Much love. This is Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com bringing you the astrology forecast for April 7 to April 13, 2021. Many of this week's transits highlight Aries. Um, we currently have the Sun, Mercury, and Venus, as well as Astrid Goddess Ceres, all in Aries, as well as Chiron. And so themes around autonomy and individualism might be prominent at the moment. Mercury and Aries will join up with Chiron. And this makes some of our current impasses and initiations around selfhood more apparent. So that question of who am I, who am I becoming, what's this new journey that I'm on or this new addition to myself that I'm unfolding and unfurling into. Later in the week, Venus and Aries will square Pluto and Capricorn, highlighting some of the deeper conflicts that or the deeper conflicts of interest that come up when we have different desires than other people. And so, of course, that can bring up negotiation and negotiations can be very um, healthy, above water, um, clear, beneficial, mutually, you know, or Pluto can be where we get manipulative, where we get dishonest, um, even, you know, where we're dishonest with ourselves. And Venus Pluto is always a, an opportunity to transform how we engage with ourselves and with others. So back to this idea of the journey of selfhood, um, this can be deeply subjective and experimental. So subjective as in, you're in, you know, you're a character in a choose your own adventure book and it's not objective. <laughs> you know, I don't think anyone is truly objective, but some people are running more subjectivity than others. Like, you know, someone who writes in a journal or a diary or is like in their own universe, like that can be highly subjective. Being subjective is when you have things in your mind and you have no idea how they would land if you said them out loud versus if you had a little bit more objectivity, you might naturally intuit, oh, if I say this thing out loud, it's going to probably garner this response. But subjectivity is like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, I'm just in my own head here. Let's see what happens. So there's an experimental quality to Aries. Um, there's an innocence, there's a foolishness, there's a charm to this sign because it is so innocent in that way, potentially. So for us and how we're experiencing this, we may know exactly what we want, only to initiate the course and realize midway that we have learned new information that changes our vision of where we're headed. Did this make the first leg of the journey unnecessary or a mistake? No, it was a necessary step on initiating a path of deeper understanding. So Aries is where we take that first step, even if we know it's experimental and subjective. 
keeping in mind that Aries ruler Mars is currently in the mutable sign of Gemini and it will be squaring Neptune this week, it's possible that this moment or this transit is really putting the moment to moment vibe in the Aries already instinctual frequency. You know, Aries is the now moment. And the now moment is constantly changing, but this is really being highlighted with Mars and Gemini kind of bringing to the forefront our capacity to be clever and to think on our feet. You know the saying about you don't step in the same river twice uh, because the river is always changing. So what can this mean for us this week? Honesty with ourselves and others. is not something we can necessarily write up in a document, frame in a glass pane and put up on the wall and expect it to last forever. Perhaps some of our um, truths or moral codes we live by are broad enough, they're deep and true enough to our inherent nature that they have a longevity, longevity, Um, but there are many other flickering inspirations, now inspirations, that come up in our lives with which offer truths for us if we engage them and if we're open to them changing once we learn a little bit more about the path. So consider this example. Um, in relationship, we have the Aries-Libra duality, the Aries-Libra polarity in astrology. And Aries is a lot more about instinct and impulse and Libra is about balance and Libra involves diplomacy and tact and keeping the other in mind. So even to properly balance in relationship, we might also need to know where we're coming from and what's happening with us individually, Aries. So if we are running a kind of personality pattern where we don't take ourselves into account, where we're always, you know, performing according to others or pleasing others, that builds up a lot of unused energy. Sometimes it turns into anger or frustration. I don't feel free in this relationship. I don't feel like I can do what I want. Versus if we're in the habit of bringing that into our relationships and balancing that with the relationship, um, then there's moments of bringing our truth, bringing our side of the equation into the connection and allowing ourselves to be seen and met in that way. And I think that the Aries kind of brings in this innocent, I don't know how this is going to go. This is what's on my mind. This is what I'm feeling. How do you relate to this? And bringing it in as opposed to holding it back and then feeling stifled or feeling resentment or something like that. Venus and Aries is more likely to flame out, say it all, even if it's not pleasant. So before I get into our week in more detail, um, going through each of these transits individually and offering more thoughts, um, I'm going to share a few announcements. One being that you can find me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. I post other things there and, um, also sometimes post excerpts from the forecast, but mostly post additional content that I don't share here. Um, I have a mailing list, which is a great way to stay in touch with me to find out about upcoming courses and when my astrology readings open, um, when my books open. And since you're here, I would love it if you liked this video, if you subscribe to my channel, and if at some point during this video, you leave a comment and let me know what resonates with you, what this made you think of, how you're doing. I just would love to hear from you. 
I have an evolutionary astrology intensive coming up. This will be the eighth run of this course. I've been teaching it for several years and it just keeps getting richer. Um, it's a community experience. The courses, uh, the course modules are pre-recorded, so you can return to these indefinitely. But we also meet weekly as a group to talk about the material, to get to know each other, and the class culminates in reading each other's charts. Um, the content of the course is pretty deep. It's been called therapeutic um, by a lot of students. We go into a deep dive into all the different archetypes, into the planets, and how to put things together in the chart with houses and aspects and some deeper technique like aspect phases. And we also uncovered the evolutionary astrology technique, which is looking at Pluto and the lunar nodes and the ruler of the lunar nodes for an understanding of what a soul is bringing into this life. So it's several months in this incubator, in this container, where we get to look at the question of who am I as a soul and what about this particular incarnation? What about my life circumstances? What about the positive and negative and whatever else I inherited in this 3D incarnational life? How is that a vehicle for how my soul is growing in this lifetime? Um, So it's a... You know, we get into the transpersonal planets, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto are very important in evolutionary astrology and important to me in my astrology practice. And another thing too, is I make myself available over email, um, in class, etc., to really be in dialogue with you. If you have questions about the material or you're testing out, you know, interpreting something in your chart and you want feedback, Um, I love to talk with students. I think it's really important as someone who's learned astrology in community and I've studied with multiple astrology teachers and I was able to have direct conversation with them. It's in my lineage and it's so important for me to offer that to students um, because I just can't imagine having learned astrology and, you know, gotten my feet fully in this world without that kind of community and mentor support. So if you want to learn more about this course, you can um, check the link in the notes and you can read more about it, read student testimonials and enroll. And it's also worth noting that the intensive, it's set up to be a deepener for your astrology practice for the rest of your life. And it's also an entry level program to doing deeper uh, astrology study with me. The intensive itself is already a deep dive. It could potentially be the only thing you need, but if you want to go deeper, if you love the course and you're looking for more, I'm continually creating new ways to study astrology um, because it's ongoing. It's literally infinite. So Meteorite is a program um, that I'm currently teaching. That's a nine month container about developing astrological voice and deepening into the asteroids and different, you know, more advanced techniques. And also we're going to be creating projects in the class. So just to keep that in mind, um, If you want to, you know, do deeper work with an astrology mentor, this is a great way to start and, you know, enter this enchanted universe. Another piece of news that I'm really excited to share with you is that I have a fiction novel coming out in late spring of this year called The Garden of Sleeping Hammers. And if you check out my podcast, Magic of the Spheres, 
I have a reading of the first two chapters available on a very recent episode of the podcast. I forget. It may be episode 103, but I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited to share this with you. And um, I come from a fiction and poetics background. And um, then I got so into astrology that astrology became my main topic to write about. But I'm really excited to share this with you. And um yeah, just stay tuned on this channel and on my mailing list, etc., for more updates about this book and getting a copy when it comes out. Okay, so let's get into the week in deeper detail. And you, I'm reading from something. So if you want to read the written version of the forecast, you can always go to monarchastrology.com. And on this channel, I read what I wrote and add extra commentary as it comes up. So April 9th, 2021, Mercury in nine degrees of Aries will conjunct Chiron in nine degrees of Aries, 1208 a.m. Pacific. Chiron in Aries is a longer acting transit. I think it's actually, you know, Chiron is in Aries longer than any other sign. Chiron has an elliptical orbit, so it doesn't spend an equal amount of time in the zodiac signs. So Chiron first entered Aries... Uh, April 17th, 2018, and it will leave Aries in April, 2027. Now it did retrograde back into Pisces and it will, you know, retrograde back into Aries before it leaves. But roughly, you know, we're looking at around a nine year time period. Chiron and Aries can relate to activations and initiations around a variety of Aries topics like men and our relationship with the masculine and masculinity newness being the first, anger and aggression, and courage. You might imagine how each of these themes are rich and fertile grounds for transformation, places where we might have baggage, collective or ancestral baggage, and where there may be opportunities for greater integration and wholeness. I mean, even just thinking about what is the masculine or what's our relationship with masculinity is a huge topic um, and definitely a place where there's people running wounds and that's a really, you know, upfront or to the forefront kind of thing and collective conversation. Um, but imagine having a healing of your relationship to the masculine, um, and what it's like to be in relationship to the masculine in a positive or life enhancing way. Um, how deep, how profound, you know? So thinking about that as well as things like when you have an impulse, when there's something that is bursting inside of you, how do you let it out into the world? How do you take that first step? How do you have courage to initiate something? Um, Aries is a sign related to courage, but the flip sign of courage is fear. It's um, being aware of what our edge is and where our fears are and moving into this space of self-awareness and development such that we can not just bulldoze over our fears um, in a way that's like forcing an opening or putting ourselves in territory that we're not ready for. No, finding our way into the development, the arc of self-development that allows us to get to a place in life that we were afraid to go before or touch a part of ourselves that we were afraid to be in contact with. Um, These are not necessarily just things that happen instantaneously. They might you know, life is full of graces and surprises, but it's sometimes something that we 
we work toward, we analyze, we take an honest account of like, this is something that I really desire, but I'm also afraid of it. Now what's next? And that sets us off on the quest uh, to gain courage, right? Um, I'm really like, I love prayer. I didn't grow up with religious conditioning. So prayer never had like a, a baggage to it. And I think for those that it does, you know, reclaiming your relationship with talking directly to the divine can be so powerful. Um, but there's different kinds of, you know, prayers and word spells and whatnot that you can put out there, you know, to become ready for that journey that you seek to embark on or to pray for having the courage or pray for having the experiences that will prepare you with grace for that thing, which you are desiring. So something to think about, you know, for me, when there's something that I want to do, but I know I'm not ready to just do it. I kind of open internally to the next steps that will bring me closer to it. Or I ask the universe for support, bringing me closer to that thing. So it's not just a, a blocked off, you know, caution tape, don't go here kind of place. It's a, Oh, I want to go there, but what will make me ready for that? Way different than just being like, I don't have any fear and running straight ahead into some territory that you're actually afraid of. Um, that's a different kind of initiation, a different kind of fool's journey um, that, you know, is what it is. Mercury joining Chiron creates a spike of activation in Chiron and Aries themes, potentially through news, conversations, or our own internal mental processes. We might also be facing the impasse of whether or not to put an idea, so Mercury, out into the open. While Aries is about just doing it, there can be a hesitation and trepidation with Chiron here because that's, you know, it's like a sacred wound. You know, when you have some words hiding behind your lips that you know would change everything if you said them aloud. These moments naturally put us in the position of questioning if we should choose patience and caution or if we rather ought to throw that to the wind and choose bluntness, change, and transformation. Mercury joining Chiron could also relate to the ways that our thoughts, and especially the thoughts we choose to identify with or believe in, open up initiatory adventures. If thoughts were magical and potions, magical potions, what would imbibing them do for your life? We have the opportunity to recognize here which thought forms are poisonous and which are medicinal. And which thought forms even are poisonous and medicinal? Take, for example, a disturbing dream image that catalyzes a transformation or a hard-hitting tarot reading that cuts very deeply but catalyzes some potent transformation. Poison here is interpretive, but sometimes a sharp message activates a response, which is also part of the message. Later this day, Mars in 21 degrees of Gemini will square Neptune in 21 degrees of Pisces at 12.18 p.m. Pacific. So this transit, Mars square Neptune, immutable signs, no less, may favor open-ended adventures where we set off and wander without much attachment to the outcome, 
but are instead open to twists, turns, and detours along the path. Wherever we are fixated on achieving a certain thing, we may find more turbulence in getting there if we are overly rigid about it. Sometimes we end up getting exactly where we intended when we harmonize with the Tao instead of trying to force our trajectory. You know, and harmonizing with the universe also means we have to unravel our ego. Like sometimes our personal self is in alignment with the truth and great, the path opens up. Um, sometimes things are difficult or challenging because they're initiations. Um, so it's not just like turbulence is automatically a sign that you're on the wrong path but it's a deeper kind of surrendering and unraveling to decide that you want to participate with the universe as opposed to you just wanting to get your way, you know, whatever the cost. If you are trying to get to point A to point B in a very linear fashion this week, try not to take it very personally that the universe may steer you off course a little bit. Like for real, I'm just looking at Mars and Gemini square Neptune and Pisces and it feels like a great day for a walk in the park and for like a wander and for that kind of open-ended let's discover let's learn let's see what happens but if you're trying to have a very specific thing happen on a very specific timeline it's potentially like unless you're a really you know a time wizard and you have a certain skill around harmonizing your will with time uh, the way that I'm looking at Mars Neptune, it just seems like there's going to be some detours and that this could favor um, open-ended adventures as opposed to being rigid. And I say this too, as someone who, you know, loves being on time to things or like has like weekly commitments or things that I like schedule in no matter what. So working with time and discipline versus flexibility and like not being attached to structure is a really interesting balance. Um, anyway, a higher opportunity for Mars Neptune contacts is to align the personal will with the universal will, which ameliorates much of the personal angst that we feel when what is happening in reality is not the same as what we wish were happening. So keep in mind, aligning the personal will with the universal will is not something we necessarily just do once. It's a practice and it's a unraveling practice where instead of having this kind of thick, out of touch ego that just wants to run its program no matter what's happening or no matter what's true, it's like having a personal ego. And I don't think the ego is a bad thing. It's an operating system. You can have ego constructs that are really healthy and supportive for you in life and ones that are not helpful, right? It's kind of like you have to update your personal software and you have to kind of clear things sometimes or take on new personality traits like confidence that might support you in a particular mission or something like that, right? So thinking about what would it mean to have your personality and have your personal preferences in alignment with the universe, that is a negotiation, right? It doesn't mean that you forego all your desires and your preferences to just be a martyr because you also have desires and preferences for a reason. There can be some intelligence to them, but finding how they play together and how they are like 
in a sacred relationship is this act of harmonizing the personal self with the spiritual self. And that can be done through meditation, prayer, intention, and Mars Neptune tends to draw it out. People with Mars Neptune, sometimes, you know, in the athletic world, they like water sports. (laughs) Oftentimes they might be surfers and surf is a really great metaphor for this because you don't really, I know I probably say this every time there's a Mars Neptune contact, but you don't fight the ocean. The ocean will win, you know, like you harmonize with the ocean, you ride waves, you learn how to be with it. And then you you are actually kind of supported by those waves. So similarly, when we harmonize with the universe, we're empowered far more than when we're just trying to assert a purely personal agenda. So when we drop into what is actually happening, for example, and accept it fully, we can reach new levels of divine inspiration when it comes to how we choose to participate with what is. Simply imagine the value of tuning into what is immediately present as just what is perfect and spiritual, as opposed to being at war with it because you wish it were different. It's a very relaxing, very peaceful concept. Like what if you just accept things? Not to be complacent, but to actually just drop in You know, that feeling of resistance and fighting everything and scanning and everything's wrong and like, like that kind of like jolted energy is different than like deeply relaxing into reality as it is at this moment. And then once in that relationship, listening to the inspiration that bubbles forth from within you. So for what it's worth, surrendering to what is passively It's not always the truest thing spiritually. Sometimes a truth ripples up within us as a knowing that we are meant to take action. Some greater spiritual inspiration becomes personalized and mobilized through the personal will. This is a great opportunity for attunement because what is the difference between zealotry and divine inspiration? One must imbibe the juice of divine inspiration responsibly. So once you start to kind of feel yourself as a personal vehicle of the divine, you can get hella inflated. (laughs) You can get way off track or delusional with that. When it's grounded, when it's true, when there's an ongoing, honest negotiation between your personal self and personal preferences and what's true for you and what you truly are a vehicle for and what is moving through you in terms of inspiration, we just gain a greater skillfulness at riding those waves of divine inspiration and energy. April 10th, 2021. Mercury in 12 degrees of Aries will sextile Saturn in 12 degrees of Aquarius at 8.09 a.m. Pacific. As for the earlier question with Mercury Chiron conjunct of whether to speak or hold one's tongue, this Mercury-Saturn transit may relate to us weighing on the side of caution. Mercury-Saturn can relate to being sparse with one's words or at least highly intentional. 
On the other hand, a Mercury-Saturn contact could also relate to saying that which we are willing to take responsibility for, that which we are willing to experience the consequence of. Sometimes just because it's inconvenient or troubling to have a conversation doesn't mean we are more willing to live with the consequences of not having that conversation. We have to assess what is more important and then ideally take responsibility for the choice that we do make. So Mercury-Saturn brings up this kind of deliberative, is that even a word? Uh, A deliberation in our thought processes and being kind of aware of like the threads of fate that are connected to what we're thinking about and what we're going to say. Um, So there's a kind of weight or there's a gravity to it. And that doesn't mean being paralyzed with inaction because we're thinking so negatively or we're only thinking of what could go wrong. No, it's that we're aware of certain things. And because of that awareness, we are taking greater care and intentionality with what we are doing. Consequence is not just what happens externally. Consequence is also how we feel in the act of verbalizing or not verbalizing something. When we say something and then feel like we're digesting it afterward. You know that feeling? Like where you say something in a conversation or you say something in a public space and you feel it afterward. It echoes in your brain and you think about, you know, you're analyzing what you did wrong or it's just like not sitting well with you. And it may not be that what you said was wrong or bad. Like it may just be a personal judgment or neurotic kind of thing that's happening there. So digesting it can be, oh, I said something out of my range or I said something that I don't actually think is true now that I've said it out loud. And now I'm kind of like going back and shifting that and refining my thoughts or I said something that I feel uncomfortable about and now I'm just going to like hold that and accept myself and increase my capacity to hold this discomfort because what I said wasn't actually bad or whatever. So we can be expanding our range or bandwidth in our nervous system. Think Saturn and Aquarius, the structure of the electricity in our body. And this gives us the ability to be with greater levels of sensation. I've been thinking about this a lot lately um, because when it comes to being on a path of pursuing our goals or our dreams, which is something that I'm like obsessed with, (laughs) to be honest, in my own life and as like a coach, as a mentor, um, which I forgot to mention, you know, my books for astrology readings aren't open. I'm not currently taking new clients, but I will be soon. So stay tuned for that, um, especially on my mailing list. But in this kind of journey of working with where we're headed, what we desire, there's the actions we can take to move toward a goal. And there's also the inner receptivity that we develop to be able to handle that reality, right? Like, Love and money are great places where this shows up because those are Venus themes and Venus is so much about receptivity. Do you feel comfortable spending money or does it create contraction in your body? 
Do you feel comfortable when people express affection and love toward you or does it create contraction in your body? And when you find out how to kind of massage and like open into receiving or giving, you know, spending money on things that are relevant to your life purpose or being affectionate and transparent about your feelings, these acts of creating greater bandwidth right? Because it's actually just a nervous system response in the body that starts to feel inflamed or threatened or like, I can't have this or this isn't okay. And we're not actually open to receiving that thing which we desire. So I think this Mercury Saturn could be a good transit for just reflecting and noticing where do you feel contraction when you're experiencing some kind of exchange, So Mercury is also about commerce, not just communication. And commerce and communications are conveyances of information or physical items. So one example to consider here, as I was just saying, is the energy you feel in your nervous system when you spend or receive money. Developing a more easeful relationship with money might involve learning to feel comfortable in your body, giving and receiving money you know, in your budget, in your range, it doesn't have to be like, you know, you can get more experimental with it, whatever, but noticing how you feel when you're moving currency, where does your nervous system spin out? This can also apply for things like attention, compliments, love. So what's being exchanged, words, resources, affection, etc. And what is your nervous system's response to that exchange? With intention, you can build more capacity to hold these exchanges um, and therefore increase your capacity for wealth, for affection, for connection, whatever it is that you want. And you're just kind of having to relax your nervous system into being with that. Another thing that I find really interesting to think about is when we're discerning or when we have defenses, because being open doesn't just mean we let everything in that would be damaging. Not everything is benevolent. Not everything is safe. So how do we manage being protective and having good boundaries and also staying open? Like being open and discerning about boundaries is a really interesting balancing act um, that I think is a very rich like place to explore within ourselves. Because sometimes we get black and white with it, where it's like, if we're going to be protective, you know, all the kind of metal gates clamp down and nothing can get in, you know, or we're open and then all of these kind of nefarious energies come in because we're just so open and like open to everything, you know, like there's some middle ground there. So Venus in 25 degrees of Aries later later that day will sextile Jupiter in 25 degrees of Aquarius at 11.53 a.m. Pacific. Venus-Jupiter contacts can relate to our processes of becoming increasingly authentic and truthful in our relatedness with self and others and our capacity to be tactful as well in sharing the truth. When these planets, Venus and Jupiter, come together, a beautiful insight about life is revealed. Truth makes way for more love. When we lie to ourselves and others, we protect our attachment to a status quo that is not as vulnerable or as deeply meaningful as the kind of life we would build if we were honest. 
We may also generally assume that other people couldn't handle our truth without it compromising the relationship. So we opt out of giving other people the opportunity to grow and learn with us. Likewise, in being loyal to truth, we also run the risk that specific people will not follow us across the bridge, that we may enter a territory that another does not wish to join. You know, Aries is a frontiers person. It is this fear of loss or change that may keep us from being in full relationship with truth should it destroy our current attachments and all that we have invested. So something else to say about this, because I mentioned the tact part, is that being truthful doesn't just mean being reckless, right? Like we might have a bubbling sense of frustration or angst or confusion inside of us that feels like we need to express it, but it's not ready yet. It's not super processed. And we have to go in and figure out, okay, what's my need here? What's my desire? What's my responsibility? What kind of requests can I make and take responsibility for all of that and then figure out, you know, how to share it with another person. And the reality too, is that we're not always skillful. And sometimes we say things impulsively or another person says something rashly to us or freaks out or something. And how do we hold that in ourselves? How do we hold that in relationship? And I think Venus and Aries is a season where that kind of comes up more. Venus is a pretty hot, uh, energy when it's in Aries. I mean, Venus is a hot planet anyway. Um, but definitely there's some spiciness with Venus and Aries. Venus and Aries can highlight the experience of life. That is our essential aloneness that though we connect with others, we create lives and families with others. We are also alone. This awareness of our aloneness can also empower us to trust in ourselves And our relationship with the deepest part of ourselves that, you know, then is a connection to the universe as well. Trusting this enough to be truthful in this life. Aries sextiles Aquarius in the Zodiac. We have it here with uh, Venus and Aries, Jupiter and Aquarius. And Aquarius relates to community. And so this Aries Aquarius sextile opens up the meditation that it is through being ourselves Aries that we vibrate in resonance with like-minded people, Aquarius. In existing connections too, it's like we be ourselves and it gives other people the opportunity to see us and to attune to us. If they're making that choice to actively love us, I think M. Scott Peck talks about love as a verb that it is extending yourself toward another person. So extending ourselves to understand another person's reality and where they're coming from is an act of love. And when you self-reveal, when you make yourself seen, you give people more access to relating to you. It is possible that the urge to be ourselves and to be more truthful in love is in the field. Being truthful will tend to magnify where there is disconnection and where there is connection, alternately. Even if disconnection surfaces, it may open the way for connection still anyway, whether it is in resolution with that specific person or not. In the context of deep commitments that are not swayed by certain disagreements or dissonances, you know, like the field of the connection is just so strong and sturdy and whatnot, a type of love 
um, can be felt here this with this transit um, as an honoring and protecting of another person's individuality and freedom. April 11th, 2021, April and <laughs> April, Venus in 26 degrees of Aries will square Pluto and 26 degrees of Capricorn, 8.20 p.m. Pacific. So that's Venus and Aries square Pluto and Capricorn. This one has some more potential possibility to invoke more control dynamics than the Venus-Jupiter transit that we just explored. The tension between Venus and Pluto relates to unconscious dynamics in relationships and projection and power plays. You know, at a very high level too, it is the deep transformation of love and the, um, the change in like our DNA through love. Um, so power, power can be a deeply benevolent and positive thing. But when we don't have a good relationship with our own empowerment, where we leak power, where we place our power too much in others, where we have shame, we are easily shamed, where we have psychological hooks, we are easily hooked, you know, power plays can be kind of messy, but power can also be a beautiful thing. So it's just our relationship really with it and where we are in our personal development with it. But the um, tension further between Aries and Capricorn is that of personal freedom and doing whatever we want, Aries, and the rules and agreements and bonds and commitments that we make, Capricorn. One tension in the field right now may be the way that we want to control others' behavior so that we feel freer. Or we sense that someone else wants to control us for their own needs. Feeling that we need to control ourselves or others is not just something that we get over once and for all a lot of the time. It can be a sneakier pattern, control, um, that we can observe cropping up if we are psychologically aware of it. You know, it's an energy, so be mindful. Control relates to security, and when we are feeling controlling, it usually points to an unmet security need that may be taken care of in more beneficial or responsible ways. You know, sometimes it's not immediate. It's not like we fix our control issues and complexes overnight, um, but we can get into a path of addressing like, what is the deeper need here? Why do I feel insecure and how can I feel more secure within myself as opposed to manipulating and manicuring everything else around me so that I feel better? The more self-aware and knowledgeable we are about manipulative patterns and unconscious dynamics, the less susceptible we are into hooking into other people's control stories or manipulations. This is part of why taking responsibility for ourselves at a deep level is so important. Actually doing the inner work around our own control patterns and the ways we are dishonest and manipulative. Like being honest about it, not only do we show up in relationships in healthier ways, but we are naturally less available, less on the hook for control and manipulation dramas. Another potential of this transit is to feel a greater spike in allure around powerful relationships 
And in the style of Aries and Capricorn, very ambitious signs, this could be like a desire to network with prominent or notorious people or to make a uh, to make oneself known as a person of impact or legacy as a leader. Aries and Capricorn are ambitious signs. This would not just be about making contact with specific people, but also being the person in the arena, embodying certain qualities you would see in your most successful dynamic self. Um, so you see, you know, where do you want to be in 10 years or what's the higher version of yourself like and become Aries, that person. So it can be internal ambition to be your best self, as well as, you know, I want to interact with like the greatest minds, the most interesting people or successful people or whatever it is. And, um, it's funny because when I've talked about, uh, networking in certain classes where I'm talking about archetypes and about like Aquarius and stuff like that, I learned that some people have, um, like the word networking feels gross or icky to them. And I found that really interesting um, because I don't feel that way about networking, um, or the word, like it doesn't disturb me in that way. But thinking about, you know, yeah, you can inauthentically or grossly network, <laughs> like you can just be trying to get things from people, um, or you could be sincerely interested in building community. And you could also be sincerely interested in spreading your message, um, or getting your work out into the world, um, and being curious about other people. And there's, you know, it's Venus Pluto here. So just noticing what kind of intentionality or energy at a deeper level we're bringing into our relationships. Um, and these things may not be completely on the surface, but they're felt. We always feel the energy underneath and below things. And sometimes we can't put our finger on it. And it's like, something's weird. Something's off. What's happening on the surface doesn't match what's coming through below. You know, when someone's being dishonest or lying, for example, versus the pure potent power and kind of like magnificence of the thing underneath the surface actually being reflected on the surface. And you're like, that person's a force, like, wow. And you're you can feel them. You can feel their authenticity. And a person isn't like that just because they woke up that way. Like they may have a strong internal compass, right? But it's an inner process of looking at ourselves and making adjustments when we realize that there's some kind of discrepancy between our deepest truth and the way that we're behaving um, or the things that we're saying versus what we're really feeling. And that act of matching them super powerful. So thank you for watching. Um, again, please like this video and leave a comment and do check out the intensive, the, um, course page and the enrollment linked below. And I'm trying to think if there's any other announcements that I had, but just, you know, this week there was not a new episode of Magic of the Spheres, but I also have a podcast where I interview people. It's a podcast about personal development and spiritual lifestyle. And there's a whole catalog. Um, today, as I'm recording this, the podcast is actually two years old. So we have lots of amazing interviews. I've also started to share these YouTube videos, the audio version onto that podcast. Um, for those who like to listen as opposed to watch the forecasts. So check that out too. And yeah, happy spring, happy Aries season. I hope that you have a magical week and I'll see you next time.